I'd be more worried about if you can wiggle your ears that you're going to go blind than I would worry <laughs> about cracking your knuckles uh, that you're going to get arthritis. Cracking the knuckles or when you turn your neck, you can hear cracking noises. These are, are just noises that normal joints can make. It doesn't mean that the joint is necessarily damaged or that any damage is going to ensue from cracking them. Welcome to the Merck Manual's Medical Myths Podcast, where we set the record straight on today's most talked about medical topics and questions. I'm your host, Joe McIntyre, and on this episode, we welcome Dr. Brian Mandel. Dr. Mandel is the professor and chairman of academic medicine in the Department of Rheumatology at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Mandel, thanks for coming on the show. Totally my pleasure. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Mandel about something that affects many of us as we get older arthritis, and general issues with our joints. So let's get right into it. Many people deal with osteoarthritis in some form as they get older. So tell me, is this just a normal part of aging? Well, osteoarthritis, which is also known as uh, degenerative arthritis, which uh, of course is a, a terrible term. Nobody wants to think of themselves as either a degenerate or as degenerating. But to a certain extent, uh, as we do age, so do our joints and bones, and the bones and joints remodel, which when you look at x-rays can look and appear and will be labeled as a certain uh, amount of osteoarthritis. But that doesn't mean that everybody has symptoms in those joints that are affected. But our spine, our hips, particularly knees, all these are weight-bearing areas, they will change over time and they will remodel over time. And in some patients, the remodeling uh, of the bones around that form the joints will become uncomfortable and can cause discomfort. So it's not at all unusual to see x-ray changes of osteoarthritis uh, in virtually everybody as we age. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to have symptomatic uh, osteoarthritis or pain in all of those joints. So two terms that I'm sure a lot of us have seen uh, over the years. One is rheumatoid arthritis, and the other is obviously osteoarthritis. Are these two the same thing? They, they are really totally different. While osteoarthritis has minimal amount of inflammation, is mainly a mechanical uh, issue uh, causing discomfort and pain, uh, rheumatoid arthritis is, is real inflammation. And this comes about not from mechanical imbalance per se, but contributions of genetics, the environment, and other triggers that we don't fully yet uh, understand. But these joints are involved uh, in a way that the joints will become swollen, they'll become red, they're hot and tender, and the medications that we use to treat rheumatoid arthritis, uh, which of course many of you have seen advertised on TV now, are, are quite potent anti-inflammatory medications. The differences also between the two is that rheumatoid arthritis can damage and destroy joints very quickly over time. Osteoarthritis uh, is a far more slow-moving, progressive problem in different patients. So they really uh, behave totally different. They affect different people. Rheumatoid arthritis affects much younger people, women more than men, and we can treat them uh, dramatically differently. So when it comes to joint pain in general, is all joint pain, no matter what it is, arthritis in some form or another? Most likely not. I mean, when we, you know, as individuals, not as physicians, think that we have pain in our shoulder or our knee, we're talking really about the general area there. 
And the structure of a joint that moves, like the knee or the shoulder, is more than just the, the joint itself. It's tendons and muscles and sometimes even bursa, which are little sacs around the different uh, joints, all of which can become either irritated from mechanical reasons or from inflammation. Uh, so you can have pain in your shoulder, which is not arthritis at all, which is more likely a tendonitis, perhaps a rotator cuff tendonitis. You don't have to be a major league pitcher to have problems with your rotator cuff. Uh, so a lot of what we call uh, joint pain is not really arthritis itself. Does rheumatoid arthritis only affect your joints, or does it kind of expand a little bit further beyond that? Yeah, rheumatoid is really rheumatoid disease. I mean, we know it is rheumatoid arthritis because the joint findings uh, are the most striking of swelling of the wrist, the large knuckles of the hands, uh, the balls of the feet. Uh, and, and arthritis really means arth, joint, and itis inflammation. Um, and, and that's, you know, the hallmark of the disease, but it really is a systemic disease. Rheumatoid arthritis, before we had the very potent and effective therapies that we have now, causes inflammation of the lining of the lungs. Uh, it causes um, scarring of the lungs themselves. The lining around the heart can uh, affect uh, really many parts of the, the body in addition to the joints. And the nice thing about our therapies now being so potent and effective is we tend to see far less of any of those other what we call outside of the joint complications uh, of rheumatoid disease now. Now, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned a few seconds ago, this idea that young people can get arthritis. Is arthritis something that children can get as well? They absolutely can. I mean, and that's kind of this concept that only the elderly develop arthritis. And that's really far more focused on what we talked about before of osteoarthritis being a disease of the mechanical aging of joints that causes them to have some dysfunction over time. But the inflammatory types of arthritis uh, can really affect anyone, including, uh, you know, children under the age of one. Inflammation, which can be triggered by factors, uh, again, genetic determined or others that we don't fully understand, sometimes triggered by a virus perhaps, uh, can really affect anyone. And there are forms of arthritis known as juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, which characteristically affect uh, teenagers and younger. Uh, some forms will burn out and go away uh, as the children grow into young adulthood, but others can, can stay for a lifetime. And again, fortunately, uh, we have medications that really do a wonderful job at controlling this. All right, let's get to the big myth here, or maybe it's not a myth, you'll have to tell me. Does cracking your knuckles, those people who crack their knuckles every day, maybe multiple times a day, does that cause arthritis? I'd be more worried about if you can wiggle your ears that you're going to go blind, than I would worry <laughs> about cracking your knuckles uh, that you're going to get arthritis. Cracking the knuckles, or when you turn your neck, you can hear cracking noises. These are, are just noises that normal joints can make. It doesn't mean that the joint is necessarily damaged or that any damage is going to ensue from cracking them. Although, uh, if you do it too loudly in the third grade, you may very well be injured by the ruler flying across the room. If teachers can still do that, they're probably not allowed anymore. But, <laughs> so, so the answer to that is, it's okay. You, right. can, you can crack your knuckles. I'm sure that comes as a sigh of relief to a lot of people out there. I would think so. 
So what about people who are double jointed? Is that a form of arthritis? I'm not exactly sure how that works. Can you explain it a bit? Yeah, so that's, you know, that is interesting because the concept there many people have, gee, if I'm double jointed and I'm flexible, this is great. You know, I can be a, you know, a gymnast, I can be, you know, a ballerina and I'll do, I'll do great because my joints are more flexible. In fact, it's the exact opposite. So being loose jointed or double jointed, if you will, it's, it in and of itself is not arthritis. Remember arthritis, arth joint, itis, inflammation. It is not. It is the, the structure of the tissue around the joint, letting the bones that come together at a joint move more than the, the normal amount that other people can do. And what happens over time, particularly because this tends to be noticed when you're, when you're really young, is people who are double jointed tend to do things with those double jointed fingers or shoulders. They pop them out, they move them in odd contortions. And over time, you actually stretch the capsule, the lining of the joint. And every time you do that, you stretch a little bit more. And what can happen then is that you've altered the mechanics of this joint because the joint is moving in ways that it really wasn't designed to do. And what we, what we chatted about before with osteoarthritis being a mechanical issue, you can understand now where the joint that is stretched out of its normal position, you can alter the mechanics and then develop secondarily to that osteoarthritis over many, many years. So in fact, the major concern that I have for, uh, for kids that uh, are double jointed is tell them, you know, don't be popping them out. Don't be dislocating them on purpose because it's kind of cool to show that you can pop your shoulder out and move it back because over time you, you're going to predispose yourself to develop osteoarthritis. Good to know. Now let's get to something that I'm sure a lot of people may have questions about who aren't necessarily double jointed. This idea that certain foods can worsen your arthritis symptoms or improve them. Can you get into that a little bit? I, I, I can. Um, and you can come at this from several ways. Um, there is a, a thought that you can be have food allergies that manifest as arthritis. I'm sure there are some folks that do have that. It really is uh, very, very rare, if it happens at all, to be a true food allergy that will cause arthritis. That said, there are some foods in a certain individual that can either increase or decrease the inflammatory state of your body. The problem is, despite all the books written about anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory diets, we really don't know uh, what an anti-inflammatory diet is as a, as a general concept. So what I tell people who have inflammatory arthritis, such as rheumatoid arthritis, if you notice that a certain food will cause flares in your disease, avoid it. And I do believe that that, that does happen, but it could be different in one person as opposed to another person. Who, uh, who has rheumatoid arthritis, what foods are going to help and what foods are going to worsen that. There are other forms of arthritis, such as, as gout, where food may certainly contribute to its development because you can have foods that increase the uric acid in your body, which is the ultimate cause of gout, uh, and you, those you, you want to limit to a certain extent. So we'll get into gout a little bit more later, but I want to talk a little bit about this idea that um, certain aspects of our lives can impact our arthritis. I know a lot of people may say or think that when the rains are coming, they can feel it in their joints, they're weaker, the pressure in the atmosphere changes things. Is that actually true? 
It is actually true, although it's not necessarily the, the moisture or the rain. It's the barometric pressure. And, and decades and decades ago, an interesting study was done in patients who had arthritis of the hands. They were stuck into a box that uh, the environment within that box could be controlled without the volunteer patient knowing what was being changed. And it turned out if you changed the pressure in the box, patients would ache more. They would feel stiff. Moisture, temperature didn't make so much of a predictable difference. But I think absolutely there are folks who can predict a change in the weather because a drop in a barometric pressure often precedes a, a, a storm, and patients will feel that. The pressure changes outside get transmitted to the joint itself, and patients will feel that. So is that why cows lay down on the grass when the, the rains are coming? So not being from Nebraska, I would have no clue why a cow <laughs> would want to lie down in the grass, although the idea of cow tipping has an enormous amount of appeal to me. That's all I know other than I eat them. <laughs> Good to know. So what about sleep? Does that have any effect on our ability to reduce the symptoms of arthritis? So I I am a huge fan of sleep. And and in the office, I I can't tell you that a a day or a session in clinic, probably not even a a time within an individual patient goes by, that we don't wind up in some manner or form discussing sleep because it is so critically important. And we we tend to blow it off. You know, we think... You know, if we can get by on less sleep, this is great, how much more productive we, we can be. But the fact is that, you know, the time we spend sleeping is absolutely necessary, not only to mental alertness, but also to physical state. Because when you're in a deep REM sleep, that is the only time during the day that your muscles will completely, completely relax. And if you never get into that deep state of sleep, your muscles never completely relax, which means essentially you're at the gym 24-7. And there's nobody who works out 24-7 that their muscles are going to feel good. And the other part of sleep, and we're learning this from just fascinating work that is coming out of a number of different laboratories, predominantly from the University of Michigan, is to see that sleep affects the brain, which basically affects our perception of pain. So the brain functions as a pain thermostat. And if you don't get adequate sleep, adequate quality of sleep, not just the hours, but quality of sleep, your pain thermostat is set too low and things that normally would be just shrugged off as just a light touch can be uncomfortable. And this is even you know, a major factor in patients who have fibromyalgia or other predominantly pain syndromes but also with osteoarthritis and inflammatory arthritis like rheumatoid arthritis. So I think sleep is absolutely critical. Uh, And when I talk to patients about how well we're controlling their disease with drugs, if I don't get into the idea, are they sleeping adequately, I'm really not paying attention to the ways that we can make them feel better. Don't go away. We'll be back with more right after this. Whether you're a parent or a seasoned professional, a medical student or a caregiver, the Merck Manuals has the right medical information in the best format. And it's always free, easy to access, and readily available for you. Now, beyond sleep, uh, I'm sure there are a number of ways that folks can uh, lessen the impact of the symptoms of arthritis. 
What about their weight? Does losing weight uh, reduce the symptoms of arthritis? So it really depends in this situation what you're talking about in terms of what type of arthritis you're discussing and what area of the body. We know that in osteoarthritis, again, predominantly mechanical issues, that if you have osteoarthritis of the knee, uh, which is certainly one of the most common symptomatic areas of osteoarthritis, if you are overweight and lose weight, pain will decrease and your functionality will improve. You will feel better. The hips, again, a weight-bearing area, it'll be a little bit uh, less than the knee in terms of its efficacy. But again, you're overweight, those joints are supporting all that extra weight. So you will feel better if you lose weight and maintain physical activity. On the other hand, if you think about uh, wrist disease uh, or shoulder disease, losing weight there may not make much of a difference. Uh, so it really depends on what type of arthritis you're talking about and what location. Now, you mentioned physical activity. Uh, what about running? Does running increase the chance of arthritis in our knees? Well, it is, it is traumatic to a certain extent. So if you um, beat up a joint you know, excessively, uh, you are more prone to put mechanical stress on that joint, which may aggravate osteoarthritis over the long term. That said, if you have normal mechanics and don't overdo it, and the question is how do you know when you're overdoing it, and that's a problem, you don't, uh, you're probably okay. But it's not like marathon runners don't get osteoarthritis, they certainly do, uh, just as people who are not running marathons. People who are able to continue to run for decades and decades uh, and not have pain well, it says two things. One is they're in good shape, but two is that the mechanics of their joints are such that it lets them run. Because if they were developing osteoarthritis, they would have to be decreasing their distance or the surface that they're, they're running on has to be softer. So it depends really on the individual whether they can continue to run or not. Now, it seems to me living a generally healthy lifestyle is always the way to go. So what about smoking? Does smoking increase your chances of suffering from arthritis later in life? Well, I guess it depends uh, smoking what, right? I mean, these days, depending on what state you're in, uh, this may make a big difference. What we do know is that for rheumatoid arthritis, people with rheumatoid arthritis develop certain antibodies, which are proteins in the blood that drive and control inflammation. There's one in particular called the CCP antibody. If you have that antibody, which is in part genetically determined, but if you have that and you smoke cigarettes, your disease is going to be much more severe and much more difficult to control. The reason we think is from the foreign substances and the triggering of all the inflammation in the lung from the cigarette smoke drives this lung inflammation, which triggers inflammation in other parts of your body and dramatically worsens rheumatoid arthritis. We don't know that, that smoking cigarettes, cigars, or anything else will necessarily uh, worsen or affect osteoarthritis. Now let's go back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago, um, gout. Can you explain to us what gout is? Is it just another way to say arthritis? How do they differ? So gout is um, viewed as a form of arthritis. What people think about as gout is suddenly get this red hot swollen toe or ankle or foot which is very dramatic, uh, is very, very dramatic. I heard a patient 
described the pain of gout as being worse than when they were parachuting and broke both of their ankles landing from a parachute. And they said, when they've had attacks of gout, it's been worse than that. I, I have hard to imagine what it's like break both of my ankles jumping out of a plane, but that's the severity of this disease. So that's what people view gout as, is the attacks of inflammation in the joint, so actual arthritis. But the disease itself is not that. That's a symptom of the disease. The disease is the excess deposition of uric acid, a normal chemical that all of us have, basically coming from inside of us, from our cells turning over, a little bit from diet, but too much uric acid that deposits in and around joints. And when that uric acid deposits, periodically the deposits of uric acid will break off as crystals, setting up a nasty, nasty, nasty inflammation because the immune system of the body thinks that those crystals are foreign invaders and attacks it just like it would attack a splinter with bacteria in it where you get you know, a pussy finger that you can't even touch because it's so inflamed. That's what gout is. So gout is in a way a form, a specific form of arthritis, but the disease is the deposition of the uric acid uh, in and around joints, which is really important because it means if we get rid of those deposits, we can actually cure the disease. So this is the one form of arthritis that we can absolutely, positively, totally cure by getting rid of those deposits, which we do with medication by keeping the blood level of the uric acid very, very low, those deposits will dissolve. And once they're dissolved, attacks will absolutely positively stop. But for some reason, we manage this disease incredibly poorly. And we don't treat the disease, which is the deposition, people just treat their attacks of gout. And then they, you know, they just keep happening over time. How about fibromyalgia? Is that a form of arthritis? So fibromyalgia is really, uh, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Uh, no, it is not a form of arthritis. Uh, arthritis, again, arth joint, itis inflammation. Fibromyalgia has really nothing to do with the specific joints uh, itself. Fibromyalgia, as we now really understand it, is a diffuse pain syndrome. The characteristic of the pain is it often is uh, around joints and very, very painful, but it's not necessarily related to the joints themselves. It really is viewed as a central pain syndrome. And this goes back to what we were talking before about the sleep and the pain thermostat. The fibromyalgia patients have a pain thermostat that is just set incorrectly. That being getting a, a normal hug from somebody who they like instead of being comfortable, can be incredibly painful. It's the pressure which is misinterpreted by a patient's brain as being uncomfortable instead of comfortable. That a normal touch is a very heavy touch. So it really is a pain sensitization syndrome. Now we've talked a lot about arthritis, uh, and I'm sure busted a few myths along the way here. As we kind of give this uh, podcast a close, can you give us a few tips or pointers for folks who want to either reduce their chance of getting arthritis as they get older or help manage their arthritis if they already have it? Well, the first is get a reliable diagnosis. You know, not everything that hurts is arthritis, as we've talked about several examples that are not. Not everything that hurts is inflammatory arthritis. 
So the first is an accurate diagnosis. Is there inflammation or is there not? And if there is inflammation, that needs to be addressed and treated uh, appropriately to prevent damage over time. If it's not inflammatory and it's osteoarthritis, you know, very, very common, then you want to preserve your your muscle tone and strength uh, around the joints to preserve that muscular stability, the joint structure stability, so you don't get progressive mechanical deterioration of the joints because the mechanics are off. So you want to stay in reasonable shape. So staying active doesn't mean that you have to work out at the gym, you know, two hours, three times, four times a week. But you want to maintain good muscle tone and balance. You know, healthy diet is good. And you can think about a a heart-healthy diet as being totally reasonable. Maintain your weight because you don't want to put excess strain and pressure from the weight on your hips and your knees. And and I think those are the common sense things that that we do. And I guess one other main thing is I just wouldn't go after the fads, you know, either the fad diet. Uh, or uh, any fad program thinking that it's going to be a quick fix because most of this uh, really is not amenable to a quick fix. So, Dr. Mandel, where should folks go if they have questions about their arthritis or they're looking for more information uh, about how to deal with arthritis? Certainly, uh, the Merck Manual has a home edition which is specifically directed to consumers, to patients, to normal people. Uh, it's written by folks with true expertise, uh, but directed at the, at the person, not at, at physicians. A number of uh, medical centers have sites as well. The Arthritis Foundation is another excellent resource for uh, patient information. And, and I would just mainly avoid the, the unpredictably uh, reliable or unreliable sources of you know, chat boards and bulletin boards for specific diseases because you just don't know who's actually contributing to those. And you'll see a lot of belief uh, at the expense of facts on those. And for our listeners outside of the United States and Canada, we, of course, invite you to visit msdmanuals.com for more information. Well, Dr. Mandel, thank you so much again for joining us. I think we learned a lot about arthritis and how it affects our bodies, but also how it affects our family's bodies and what we can do to support them through this as well. Uh, Before we go, I'll ask you to say, as we always do at the Merck Manuals, Medical knowledge is power. Pass it on. Take care. Take care.